A very warm welcome back to our City Builders service this morning. It's, uh, it's great to have you with us. And this morning I'm going to be talking about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Just let's pray together as we start this morning. Father, we just thank you that your word is powerful. And Father, I thank you that uh, when your word goes out, it achieves everything that you want it to do. Father, I thank you that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen came from the things that are not seen. Father, we thank you for the season we're in. We thank you for this new era in God. We thank you for what you are doing. Lord God, we pray for everyone in our city and in our state and this nation of Australia that's been uh, impacted and affected by shutdowns. And Father, I pray that this word would be an encouragement and give them hope in Jesus' name. The ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, from Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 this morning. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the church in Philippi. And he is saying that what God began, the work that he began on each one of us, he is going to complete it until the, Lord, uh, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have confidence in the future because God will do what he said he would do. What he started... He will finish. It is his word. It is his promise. At the same time, we need to take responsibility for our life and we need to make uh, sure that we are making the right decisions in the right time. If I look around, so many are scattered and ineffective. This is not the way that God planned it to be. It's just the way it is. In fact, if we look at the nation of Australia, it is a sheep nation, but you could say that the sheep have been scattered. I have seen so many start out on the journey of faith, only to get lost along the way and have their call hijacked. And at the end of it, there are so many unfulfilled destinies. There are, is faith that are, is shipwrecked and so many frustrated dreams. The promises of God regarding you and his people are incredibly strong, and I want you to know that this morning. According to one researcher, Dr. Everett Storms, there are 8,810 promises written in the Bible. He should know. It took him a year and a half of research to search and record them. These are the promises that relate to God's goodness to us in good times and in bad. And because times on the earth are difficult and people are stressed and we are having things happen that we didn't expect, it does not mean that the promises of God are made null and void. In fact, God is faithful to his people regardless of the times that we live in. Even in times of unprecedented global uncertainty, we can be assured that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to pick up on that promise this morning. We need to understand that it was not only written to the church in Philippi 2,000 years ago, but in actual fact, it is like a letter to the church that you are part of this morning, whether it be this part of this church that you are part of or one in the Gippsland region or in the nation, God is saying to you, he who began a good work will, will, will uh, complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is a problem, a potential problem in our society right now. I'm sure there are many problems, but the one that I want to highlight this morning to you is that you can fear because the wrong people are in control and because they have so much to say. It reminds me of when you look at the scriptures, how Goliath came out to challenge the armies of Israel every day. 
It's a bit like some voices in the media. What we need to do during times of stress and confusion and uncertainty is make sure that we stay true to our call because God's called us. We need to stay committed to the absolutes because there are absolutes and enduring principles that never change. We need to stay connected to the life of the Holy Spirit. During this time, we need to be on the ball because what is happening around us is, is a distraction. I'm not saying that it's not real, but I'm saying that we need to keep our eyes on what God has called us to, and that is the assignment that God has given us. We need to stay on course toward our destiny because God has given us a great destiny. And as I said, over 8,000 promises, and many of them would be personal to you. We need to remain connected to the voice that comes from above. We need to be able to hear his voice. Our life needs to be tuned to his voice. The scripture says in the Gospel of John, Jesus said it. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. But during these times where the voice of confusion and the voice of wor the world and the voice of political groups becomes louder and louder and louder, we need to make sure that our voice, the voice of his sheep, is tuned to the voice of the chief shepherd. I wanted to say today that God is doing something rather extraordinary in this generation, in his church. You know, in these last seven months, it's been an amazing time where it's like God has called us apart. He's like called the church to set herself apart, to come into a place of devotion and oneness with the Holy Spirit. The message this morning is called the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Now there is a finished work. When Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross, he said, it is finished. The work of redemption had become complete. The work of atonement was finished. And the just requirement of the law was fulfilled by the life of Jesus Christ. He was the Lamb of God. He was the one who came to take away the sins of the world. And this happened through his sinless life, through his atoning death on the cross, through the shedding of his blood. And we know that Jesus was raised into the heavens to be seated at the right hand of the Father where he is today. But that is where he is today. But now his church is completing the work on the earth. The greatest miracle of all is that the Lord God can come and dwell in the hearts of true believers. And, and you know, we know that God has made us. The Bible says that we are his temple and that the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of us. And this is the most incredible miracle that God can come and dwell on the, heart, on, on the inside of the hearts of men and women, of children, of believers, and he takes up residence there. Don't you know this morning that you are a new creation? And the Bible says if you are a new creation, the old has passed away and the new has come. And this is a miracle from above. The old is gone. You are a new creation. Wonderful thing and an incredible miracle. A man of God, a man or a woman can now have God living on the inside of them. Now there is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And Jesus said, I am going to send. He said this to his disciples as they walked. They were worried. They were concerned about what would happen to them when he went away as he said he would. And he said, I'm going to send you another helper. And, you know, this is the Holy Spirit that is working on the inside of us today. Today, the greatest miracle is not you, although you are an incredible miracle. The Bible says that uh, we are uh, fearfully and we are wonderfully made, and we are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus. But the greatest miracle is not you alone, but what God can do in you and through you if you let him. Now, today, in this generation,
The promise of, of the word is that we are, can be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work, to say that after me, he who has begun a good work, uh, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I explained uh, earlier in the year about the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ is the day when you need him. It is the day when he sovereignly intervenes in the hearts of men. It is the day when he shows up. It is the day when things go wrong in society. And because he has been doing a work on the inside of you and me, it is like we are able to step up and take our place as leaders in society. God has given us a place this morning. You never doubt that. I want you to really believe that. I want you to believe the promises because you have got something to offer. You are called to a place. You are called to a place of leadership. And God wants you to be able to step up. So in amongst everything that has happened up until now, that is like your practice. And now is your time to come forth. Now is our time to step up. Now is our time to be his incredible representatives in this time. A bit of advice this morning, don't waste your time. Don't bl blow the opportunity that is presenting itself to you right now. Do you know what? I believe that this time that we're in represents opportunity. I touched a little bit about that in my introduction from last week's message. This is a time of incredible stress, and it's a time of struggle, it's a time where people are having difficulty, but it is also a time that the church, the people of God, need to arise, shine, and take their place. Don't waste the moment. Don't waste the opportunity. And uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, it says this, You have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. In other words, through everything that is happening, God is at work on the inside of you. God is at work on the inside of his church. You know, while you sleep, God is on the, working on the inside of you. When you go to the prayer meeting, God is at work on the inside of you. When you are worship, worshipping him, God is at work in you, like it says it is here. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. In other words, God is raising you up so it is like you are his vessel. You are his mouthpiece. You are his representative. We are collectively his voice. God is doing something on the inside of his church. Amen? So don't waste your time. Don't let the months go by where you just wonder what on earth is happening. You need to be aware that God is at work on the inside of you. God is doing something in the nations. You know, this has been the most remarkable season in my life because during this last seven months, from Passover till now, God has been doing something supernatural in the church. It is like God is bringing an army together because he is going to do something in this generation that is far greater than he, what he has done in, ever, in any other generation. So don't fear. You know, we need to listen to the voices of warning that come, but we need to have a discernment switched on. We need to know what's God and what's not, because there is a problem in the world. But the scripture says this, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What a great verse of scripture to know. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And this morning we are talking about this because he who began a good work on the inside of you is going to keep working on the inside of you until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to complete the work. Now when I think back, 
It's like Jesus began the work advancing the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ on the earth. And now he has raised up his church. And now he is raising up you. And it is like when he completes his work on the inside of you, you are ready for action. You know, don't waste your time. Because as I said, I started out this journey with a whole lot of people and so many of them dropped away. You know, got shipwrecked. Some of them, their faith has been sidelined. Some, I believe, are temporarily sidelined. And during this season, God is going to call them back to the front lines. Why? Because he who began a good work in them is going to bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, whether we're in the house of God or whether we've slipped away from where we should be, God is still at work. God is graceful and God is merciful. And I always say to our people, the ones that are growing up in the church, you learn by following the voice of God or you learn by um, disobedience. It doesn't really matter. And in that case, you learn by pain. I want to encourage everyone this morning to come back to the voice of God and come right back to where you should be because God is going to do something wonderful in you during these months that are ahead. So God is going to continue what he started. God does not leave the job half done. You know, when we became saved, God does not want us to be half delivered. He doesn't want us to be half baked. He doesn't want us to be sort of in or out. You know, he want, doesn't want us to be half healed. He wants to totally heal us. He wants to totally set us free. He wants to totally deliver us into his kingdom. He wants the work to be complete, the work on the inside of you. Because when the work on the inside of you is complete, you'll be able to complete his work and we'll be able to finish his assignment on the earth. Now, this is the thing. God is going to continue the work. I'm talking about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. God will continue what he started Number one, when our feet are firmly established in the right place. God will continue what he started when we have our feet firmly established in the right place. You must be in the right place. Say that after me. You must be in the right place with the right people at the right time. There's nothing like being in the right place at the right time. That is where things go right. But I also believe that when God brings us into the right place and we are connected with the right people at the right time, then God can really do something in that place. Now in uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, this is a letter to the church in Philippi. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. This spoke of a specific geography, a specific place where God was doing something. He was raising up his church. He was doing something there. Now you need to be in the right place, connected with the right people. And it's not for me to say where that is. It is for you and God to work out. But I tell you what, you know, God needs to get you into a place where you become firmly planted and you can flourish there. So this is the right place. The problem is with many people, they find themselves in the wrong place. You know, don't get caught in the wrong place. Be where God wants you to be. I just know that God called me here. And I know there are many people who are called to partner in this work, that God has called them to join their hearts. And that is what you call being in the right place at the right time. You know, many have sort of, you know, um, perhaps become sidelined. And it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, don't forsake the gathering together as is the manner of some. Once again, talking about the day of the Lord approaching. And during this time, we need to be in the right place, at the, with the right people and at the right time. 
I mentioned before about our nation, our nations of Australia and New Zealand, they are sheep nations. You know, when I was growing up on the farm, it was commonly said that this nation was, uh, grew on the sheep's back. And we are historically a sheep nation. But I really believe if you look at the nation, and one of the reasons why our nation is scattered, and perhaps all of a sudden over the last season, the last maybe 10 years, has become quite divided on some issues. There's been a polarization and a scattering. You know, I believe it is because the church has been scattered. It's because people have been believing and wandering along and, and wandering from here to there, but never really finding their place where they are called to be. You know, I was speaking with a young a couple in our church earlier this week. I went and had a coffee with them. And it was just really an encouraging time how this couple have been in our church for about seven years. But when I first met them, their marriage was in absolute disarray. And it was like, it was a real, uh, you know, uh, separated actually and had been separated for quite a while. And the marriage was broken down and uh, you know at one stage you knew it would take a miracle for that marriage to be restored but do you know what there was a morning I spoke to this couple and they said the first morning was when he walked into our church in Wade Court in the old building before we came into the stables here and he said I don't know what it was but he said as soon as I connected as soon as I connected with you and as soon as I connected with the God of the house, I began to connect with the people and God began to turn things around. Now the testimony of that couple, I will get them to, uh, you know, one Sunday morning to share their testimony so you can all see it. But over the next 12 or 18 months, God began to work an absolute miracle and he restored that marriage. I remember the very first day that they came to the church, I prophesied, not knowing who they were or where they'd come from, I said, God is going to bring back the intimacy in your marriage. Well, you would have thought that I got that wrong because in the next couple of weeks, everything had fallen apart. But God worked a miracle. And here we are seven years later where God has worked an incredible miracle of restoration in that couple's life. And, you know, they both think, they really both believe that they have been called here. You know, uh, the wife said, I've been to many, many churches over my life, but I've never felt the presence and the, and the connection with people the way I have in this church here. Now, I tell you what, we are not the only church. But the point is, you have got to be where God calls you. You know, not everybody is called to this little country town in the middle of Gippsland. God has called people to, some, some people are called to the mission field. Some people are called to different nations and different cities. But I know that I know that I know that God has called me here and he has planted here and this is the place where I am called to flourish. Now let me tell you, once again, you need to be in the right place with the right people at the right time, because that is the place where God will complete the work that he began in you, number one. Number two this morning, God will complete the work in you when we determine that we are going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. God will complete the work that he began, the good work, when we determine that we are going to begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll tell you, this works on an individual basis. It works on a corporate basis as far as a church. When a family decides that they are going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the minute they really, as a family, come to God and begin to bow their knee and turn their hearts towards God and cooperate with Him, miracles of restoration can begin to happen. And I've seen it happen, as I said before. And this is something you can learn. You know, uh, generally Australians are a cooperative people, but they are also a very independent people. And independence can be healthy, but it can also cause us to be independent of God. 
And we were never called to be independent of God. We are called to cooperate with God. We are called to be one with God. You know, God has ordained us and made us in a special way that we can become one with Him. You know, whenever I'm going through stress or struggle, I don't ever think, I used to, you know, I've been through times where I've thought, God, where are you? God, have you forgotten me? You know, I feel alone in this, but I never feel like that. I'm not saying I may not again, but this is what I know, that God has made us in such an incredible way that we were never designed to live independently of God. We are designed to walk with him. You know, when God made Adam and placed him in the garden, God came down and he walked and he communicated with Adam. You know, we were called to be one. And even in this New Testament, our relationship with God is even better, stronger than Adam had. Because God can come and live on the inside, dwell on the inside, and, and he can begin to take up residence there and change me from the inside out. So this is something that we can learn. We need to hear as I said before, we need to hear, hear the voice of the Lord, and we need to discern. I believe right now, you know, the uh, discernment is actually, there's actually a natural discernment where we can think, hey, there's something wrong here. That is a natural discernment. But the Bible also talks about the gift of discernment, where it is a spiritual gift that God puts on the inside of us. It can be developed. We can grow that gift. And it is like God on the inside is speaking to us and saying, no, that's not the way that we can, should go. No, that is not the truth. You know, a lot of reports that you hear come across as they are the truth. But in these days, we are hearing a lot of reports which are part truth. And you know, when you mix the truth and you mix a lot of other stuff with it, it is no longer the truth. It is a mixture. It is deception. You know, it is deception by omission. So we need the gift of discernment. So, you know, we should pray God give us the gift of discernment. So when we learn to hear, you know, when we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, and when we learn to hear the voice of the Spirit, we can learn to discern, and our discernment can become very sharp. It can become very acute, and it's almost like we can, you know, when we hear a report, we can say, that part's the truth. That part, I need to disregard it. It is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. So we can, you know, we can have our spirit that sharp on the inside that we can begin to discern. Amen? So this is a powerful thing and a wonderful thing that God has given us. We need to learn to hear and discern so that we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, a whole new world of possibilities will open up. Do you know what? Whatever's going on in the world today, sometimes the way that you would hear people speak, even people of faith, as you would think that this took God by surprise and that something has got dreadfully wrong. And in a sense, it has, and I'm not denying that. But we are called to be people of faith. And, you know, we are called to walk closely with God. And if we walk closely with God, you know, we will have an incredible hope, a credible faith, a, an incredible optimism. And even in this world, we will see opportunities. We'll see doorways. We'll see opportunities. You know, uh, the, the scripture says that regarding Paul that there was a great and effective door of ministry. You know, and they were praying along those lines. During these days, God is going to open up incredible doorways of ministry. And they're not all church ministry. It's a ministry into the world, into the business world, into the economic world, into the social world, into the media world, and into the governmental world. These are the opportunities that are going to open up for the sons and daughters of God. But the key is 
We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Develop an ability. Develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Each day, you know, it's like your relationship can be maintained or your relationship relationship can be let slide. Every time we say yes to him, something happens. Every time we say yes to him, something happens. And it's Romans 8.14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's wonderful. So he who began, number three this morning, he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion when our identity is firmly established in him. Uh, it's, we live in an amazing time now where I believe that literally we have a generation and a society that is having a major identity crisis. I really feel this about our nation, that Australia needs to recapture its identity. You know, when, my, when I was born, my parents gave me a name. And I don't know how much planning they put into my name, but my name means something. And you know, when Australia was spotted, the first man who spoke over this land gave it a God-given name. Terra Australis Aspirito del Santo, which means the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. This is our identity, you know, and we need to come back and recapture our identity because it doesn't matter what nation you come from, whether you come from England or whether you come from Italy or whether you come from an uh, Islamic background or a Hindu background. This is a nation for all people, the indigenous people. We are very much, in a sense, a melting pot. But God has brought us into this land together, and we are living under God. And I believe that the way forward, if Australia will come back to its origins and really begin to acknowledge that there is a God... And, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ who rules over this land that we can rebuild our sense of identity. You see, these days, young people have got a problem with their identity. You know, they just don't know who they are. They don't know where they belong, and they are lost. About, uh, would have been earlier this year when we started our youth group back, our discipleship group back for the season, I ask the members of our youth group, um, you know, I check in there every now and again. I'm not there all the time, but I like to keep contact with our young people for this reason. And I said to them, how would you describe the youth of today? And it was really a, quite a unique opportunity because some of them had arrived and, and, you know, sometimes with the youth they arrive, you know, when they finish work, when they're you know, when their parents can drop them off. But one by one, it was almost, they said, one after the other, this generation is lost and confused. Now, I tell you what, for all the, the government policies and all the philosophies that are being taught, we have a challenge. And it is that our identity or our sense of identity has been lost. And I really believe it is not unusual for young people to go through what I would call an identity crisis. You know, uh, quite often around, uh, you know, when people leave school in the next few years, they can, you know, feel a bit uh, like a, uh, you know, a ship without an anchor. And it is because they're trying to figure out who am I and what am I doing here? Do you know what? God does not want you to be like that. And our identity can be firmly established in him. It's something I've had to grow in myself. We need a revelation of who we are in him. It's no longer I, now I am in him. And the scripture said, I read it before, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, if any man is in Christ. Now, there's two parts of this. When we are born again, the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of me, as I've already shared. But as I grow in him, my life, my identity, more is established in him. And, you know, when you know who you are, 
in God, you become a force to be reckoned with. You know, this is an area where we need to keep building our life on the truth that my life is in him, that he is in me, and my life is building on this foundation that Jesus Christ is the Lord. If we will build our life like that, then we become unshakable. Shakings are going to happen, but we need to make sure that we are building on the right foundation. And our identity can't be built on some other idea. You know, there are so many people groups, so many tribes, and people identify with this group or that group. But the sons and the daughters of God must identify with the living God. And this is where we need to get our identity from. You know, who are you? Can I ask you that this morning? Who are you really? You know, there was a time where I just wasn't sure. You know, who am I? Where am I going? What am I doing? What, what's my purpose? You know, who should I follow? What should I believe? But I've come to that point in my life where I know who I am. I know that it's Christ on the inside. I know that it's God that lives on the inside. I know that I'm made for a purpose. I know that it's God that has, uh, has called me. It's God that has birthed me. It is God that now lives on the inside of me. And I am in Him. In him and He's in me. In other words, it's like we've become one. And this is powerful. This is how God wants you to believe. You know, so many young people are so many confused about so many ideas. You know, what's being taught to them, a lot of it is good and a lot of it is unhelpful. You need to know who you are. When you know who you are in Christ, you become strong, you become stable, and you are standing there. You're no longer up or down. You know, Paul prayed this. He prayed that Christ would be formed on the inside of people, that their identity would be formed. And it came to the day where he said, it's no longer I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. He knew he was called by God. He knew he was redeemed by God. He knew that he was now sent by God. But do you know what happened? Before Paul came into the fullness of his call, the work of God was complete on the inside. The work that God began when he was saved on the road to Damascus, called up into the heavenlies, then God, for the next decade or more, built into his life until he became the Apostle Paul. Do you know the end game is this, sonship. God wants you to come into a place of sonship. And sonship, you know, when we become a Christian, we are a child of God. We are born again. We are heaven bound. You have an inheritance. But do you know what? To work, walk into the fullness of the inheritance that God has given for you, you need to come to this place of sonship which is where you're no longer, you know, tossed to and fro. You no longer doubt who you are. You no longer doubt who he is. You no longer doubt where you should be. It's like you are solid. And this is the place that God wants to bring us to. So the end game is sonship. I want you to just read on a little bit down in verse, just a minute, just, it's in the same chapter. It is uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will strongly care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Do you know what? One of the young men that Paul took under his wing was Timothy. And he treated him like a son. And this is how he describes him. So he, he, he began to download into him. But the connection between Paul and Timothy became so close that it became a partnership 
in the gospel. Do you know what? God has got so much more for us. You know, that we would have the heart of Timothy. You know, when it comes to the way that I relate to my spiritual father, I want to be like Timothy to him. And this is the way that the kingdom of God is established. It's all based around relationship. And you know, when our identity is formed, when we know where we are called to, when we know who we are called uh, with, and we have that teachable spirit, we can become like a Timothy in the kingdom of God. The point is this morning that he who began a good work will bring it to completion when our identity is firmly established in him. Number four this morning. He who began a good work in us will bring it to completion in us when we become connected with streams of God's grace. We need to be connected to the right people in the right way. What we draw into our life will very much determine our destiny. And I've seen this, that we, you know, people gather around leaders. And if your leader is, you know, accurate and on target, so will you be. If your leader is not on target and heading in the right direction, you can be confused. And these are not the days to be confused. And here Paul came into the church in Philippi as a father to the church, and he began to take that position of a father to the church with his spiritual son, Timothy. And Paul and Timothy ministered God's grace to the church in Philippi. We need to make sure that we become connected to the right source, the right streams of God's grace. It says in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, And Jesus answered his disciples and he said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. The point is, is that God has sent many leaders into the harvest field and many are what we call sent ones. And we need to gather around those people and begin to draw off their life. So we need to draw our life, uh, you know, who we draw our life from will very much determine our destiny. What we need is a stream, a source of God's grace into our life. And this is what Paul was. You know, Paul was a pure source to the church. He was a apostolic father to the church. He was a gift sent from the presence of God to the church. So we need to be able to find people like this in our life. You know, I've mentioned it occasionally, but this morning I want to take a moment and really give thanks, you know, to the man of God that God connected me with. You know, and that is my spiritual father. I call him my spiritual papa, Dr. Jonathan David. And over the years, over the years that I've walked with him, he has been able to build that accurate foundation of faith in my life. I also wanted to say this, that no leader is God and no leader is perfect. So for each one of us, we need to, you know, we need to be checking the word and we need to be praying for the spirit of truth to be in our life because I am responsible for my future. You know, regardless of, you know, even the leader that I'm following, if he wasn't perfect, and as I said, no man is, I am responsible for my life. But God has given me somebody who is a source of God's grace. You know, different people have God's grace. You know, they have different graces, they have different gifts, they have different callings. Some are very gifted in the realm of healing. Some are very gifted in the area of business. And I need to make sure that I'm connected to the right person. My spiritual father is very solid on building the foundations. He's a people builder and he's built such a strong foundation, not only in my own life, but in this church's life. So what we need to be is connected to a source. And here, uh, the, the letter to Philippians opens up with this, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the leaders and the deacons, grace to you 
In other words, Paul was a custodian of the grace. And we need to grow to be like that ourselves by connecting to a stream of God's grace. Amen? It's like, you know, uh, there, are, there are many sources and many gifts in the church, but we need to know where God has aligned us so that we can complete the work that God has called us to. It's very important because what you are accessing is what you will eventually become. Amen? We're all drawing our life's philosophy from somewhere. And you know what I see in the church which has got us into a lot of trouble. I'm not talking about this church, I hope. But in the church in general, you know, God placed two trees in the garden. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One is the tree of life. The tree of life is the one that we are called to eat from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the world system. You know, and I want to thank God for the man that God has put in us who continually brings the word in such a way that it tunes us to the tree of life. Paul, an apostle by the grace of God, called the church to participate in the same grace. Number five this morning, he will complete the work that he began in us when we begin to give ourselves to an assignment that is beyond our own self. He who began a good work in you and me will complete that work when we begin to give ourselves to an assignment that is beyond our own self. The self-made man will, in the end, self-destruct if he is not careful. God has called all of us to serve in his kingdom and to serve others. Servanthood prepares us for spiritual leadership. And there are many examples of this. I've talked about Paul and Timothy. Timothy served Paul, and in doing so, he was paving the way and building the foundation in his own life for his future leadership. Elisha served Elijah with a clean heart, free of ambition. And during his servanthood, God was preparing him to carry a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah's life. This is the heart that we need, a heart of servanthood. And it is, you know, what God has called us to do. You know, don't look to lead, look to serve. Find a way to serve another. Find a way to give yourselves to an assignment that is beyond our own self. You know, my primary call here has been to build the church, to co-labor and to raise up co-laborers. But I also must serve something outside and beyond just my own vision. I must learn how to serve faithfully the vision of the Father that God has given me and to serve those that God has given me in service in this church. Service is the way to go. So Elijah was, Elijah was looking for his successor and he knew that it was his spiritual son, Elisha. And when Elijah was taken up into heaven, his mantle fell to the ground and his spiritual son, Elijah, picked up the mantle and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? This is the incredible partnership between generations. As one man learns to serve another, the self-life is cut away from his own life. I really believe this is one of the problems that we have is that people are so ministry-focused and haven't really served a father. But when you give yourself in that way, God is preparing you for your time. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. And this is why being in the church and the right church is so important, not just any church but learning to serve in, in the church that God has called you to, in the ministry that God has called you to, in the work that God has called you. Hebrews 12, 25, I mentioned before, don't forsake the gathering together as the, as the manner of some. Do you know what? Some people attend church, but they are not really gathered to the church. 
God wants you to gather together to become one with him and one with one another so that we can complete the assignment that has been given by God. This is one of the keys to becoming a great leader in the future. And we see it in Joseph, we see it in Daniel, you know, that they served ungodly systems and they served with a pure heart. And in that way, God prepared them for their time. And I want to say to you this morning that God is preparing you and he's preparing me, he's preparing this church and he's preparing many like us for our time. But we need to serve something just beyond our own family, our own ambition, our own future, our own ideas. We need to serve the assignment that has been given to the house. Number six and finally this morning. He who began a good work in us will complete it when we choose the pathway that Jesus did. Jesus, the Lord of glory, he is the one that we celebrate and we honour this morning. This morning we stand under his government. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And according to the scripture, he carries the name that is above every other name. The name of Jesus Christ. At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow. Did you hear that? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. His name is above every other name. But do you know what? That just did not occur. He was God the Son from the beginning, but he took a pathway when he entered this world. And you can read about it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 12. It says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of our God and Father. Jesus chose a pathway that was set before him by his heavenly Father, which resulted in the absolute redemption of mankind. I am here this morning because Jesus chose this pathway. You are here this morning because Jesus chose this pathway. He did not choose to stay in heaven. And the Bible is challenging us this morning to have the same mind that Christ had when he came into the world. He didn't consider it robbery with God, but he made himself of no reputation. The God of heaven became a man, took on the form of a man and became a servant. My last point was about servanthood. This is the pathway that we need to take. And the next step is he humbled himself and he became obedient. Do you know what? Humility can only be measured by obedience. Humility and obedience go together. Pride and rebellion go together. But this morning, I want to invite you to come into a new way of living, which is begin to open the door of your life to this Jesus Christ that I'm talking about. He is the Lord of glory, and he wants to begin a work in you, and he wants to bring it to completion until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is either the day of crisis in our nation or the day that the Lord returns. Either way, it is fine. I believe God has got much for us to do and he wants you to open the door to him this morning and to come right into him and to choose this way of obedience, to choose to follow him. This is the way that God will build your life. This is the way that God will make your life. You know, as I said, I've seen many people take that first step 
And the work has begun, but it is like they have not allowed God to complete the work. God wants to complete the work in you. God has a better future for you. Despite what is happening in the world, there is, according to uh, Dr. Storms, there is 8,810 promises in the Word. Surely one of them speaks to you about your future. God has a future for you. And I believe a better day will begin for you when you begin to receive Christ in your life. That is step one. And then we learn to follow the pathway of Jesus. You know, you are saved when you genuinely receive Christ into your life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're already saved. So the minute you believing that, genuinely invite Christ into your life, he has begun a good work. But now he wants to complete that work in you. He will complete the work that he has begun when we choose the pathway that Jesus did. This morning I want to invite you into that pathway. And, uh, you know, for those that have already entered in, I want to become like a coach, a mentor to you to take you further into that journey so that he who began a good work in you can bring it to completion in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord God, I thank you, Father, that word, as we receive it in our heart, it can become like an incorruptible seed. This morning, I pray, Lord Jesus, that people would be genuinely born again. And I pray, Father, that those who have already made that step of faith would be able to take the next step. Maybe it is the next step of being baptized. Father, I thank you for it, Lord God. Lord, there's not many steps, not, not just one step, that there are many steps of faith that we need to take. And the first one, the first one is just the most amazing step where we really come into a place of oneness with our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I'm going to pray a prayer and I would like to invite you to pray that prayer after me. Uh, this is a prayer that we're really opening the doors of our life and we are asking Jesus to come in. Do you know what? This is very important that we do this. You know, that we, it's like, you know, God has put on the inside of us our heart. It's our spirit. It's our inward man. And it is like the inward man, that inward part of us, it's like there's a doorway. And we can keep that doorway shut to God or we can open the door and say, Jesus, come on in. And I remember the night that I really did that, where I opened the door of my life and God came in. Uh, you know, I, it just seemed to me like I prayed this prayer. But then over the weeks ahead, I just felt that the presence of God was with me. I felt that wherever I went, he was there. Something had changed. And, you know, now many years later, he who began a good work is bringing it to completion. Now, it will never be complete this side of eternity. Not completely complete. But God wants to bring you on this incredible journey. And I'll tell you this, that it is one adventure after the next. Don't live your life carelessly. Don't waste this moment. Open the doors of your life. I'm particularly speaking to those who are watching this video this morning. Open the doors of your life. Let Jesus come in. This is what it really means to be born again. It is like the Spirit of God, as you pray, is being released from the throne room of God into your heart, and the two of you are becoming one. This is what it means to be born again. Would you like that? Then if you would really genuinely want to pray that prayer, just pray this after me this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you have raised him from the dead to life. I want to trust him as my Lord and Saviour and follow him as Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me do your will. 
I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There is one more prayer I really want to pray. Because as I'm going through this this morning, I'm just thinking that there are many right through the nation, very good people, who have become scattered and separated from, uh, from the house of God. And God wants to begin to gather you back. He is a good shepherd and he is, in this day, his voice is going out and he's calling people back because he does not want you to waste the time. He does not want you to be on your own. And this morning I am just praying that God would really just begin to touch your heart and bring you back, bring you to a place like this, bring you to a place of life where you can really begin to find him again. God bless you so very much. Enjoy this day. We are now in November, and I really believe that November is going to be a time where we see God just begin to open things up and begin to, you know, it's like the windows of heaven are, are going to open if we really position ourselves well. So God bless you. Amen.